Hello and welcome to Reality Bites episode 125! Now filled with space! For the week of December 23rd, 2014, this is a Cure Studios production. We are your hosts, Slothen. Rofaxen. And Lorla, bringing you worms and limbs galore! If you would like to sponsor this or any other show made at Kier Studios, you can click on the donation button found at the top of the Kier Studios page. Again, thank you for sponsoring our show. Now for a bit of banter between the hosts. Just talk about how we've been and if anything is going on, then go into the news. By the way, I, I'm vaping something new and it tastes alcoholic. The more I vape on it, the more alcoholic it tastes. Yay! Oh, because it's sex on the beach, which is a drink, not just a incense, right? Yeah. Ah, that makes perfect yeah, that's sense. An now. alcoholic beverage. Jeez. I don't know anything about it being an incense. Uh yes, there's an incense called sex on the okay. beach. Rovaxen! I think it was originally an alcoholic beverage. Tell us about the um, week. Uh, let's see. I played a little bit of um, Amnesia the Dark Descent, but not really very much, because, uh, I don't know, it's kind of creepy. Uh, I'm going to play that some more, though. Um, I also went back to playing Final Fantasy X. That's always fun, because I still haven't beaten that game. I'm, like, ready to fight Sen, which is the bad guy. Oh, no, spoilers. Uh, I went what, on my... What game is that again? Spoilers are stupid. Final Fantasy X. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been out for a while, um, and you learn about Sin pretty early on. And some people are dumb about spoilers. Like, you mentioned a thing that was in the game that you're playing. It's giant spoilers. I know it's not. Just talking about the game. Just anyway, about um, shaft. don't touch my shaft. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the wife and I did like the Yule gift exchange thing, and I got I got mala beads. Uh, um. <laughs> Or skull mala, yeah, the hundred and eight bead skull mala thing. That's, That's really cool. I like it a lot. Uh, are they wood? Yes. And no, they... actually, because wood is not what I wanted. I wanted the ones made from yak bone. Actually, I wanted the ones made from human bone, but they're really expensive. Uh, <laughs> so these are actually they're actually carved from yak bone. Well, and the reason they're supposed to be carved from bone is because a huge point of it is to symbolize impermanence and the idea that death is something that will happen and is inevitable and something that shouldn't be taken negatively and feared, but rather embraced. So they represent death, so they should be carved of bone. And again, I... that's why they're skulls. See, I'm a big fan of, uh, shoot, sandalwood. Because uh, it just always smells so good. Yeah. I hate the stink of sandalwood. It, yeah, it's true. I, I do like the smell of sandalwood. I'm with Lore there. I like the symbolism of bone, though. Of course you do. Everything you do is about symbolism. This is why you do the show. Because uh, it yeah, symbolizes that's... your connection to the world, right? Actually, none of the shows that I do on the internet under this name are even sort of, kind of, <laughs> symbolic or deep in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Ouch. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, no. Well, okay, so oh, uh, just to just to thrill people oh. out there, we will be doing a show Christmas Day because we're losers. So if you happen to be on the internet and you want to listen me. to a show, if you happen to want to be on the internet and listen to a show that's perverted, uh, we will be a dr doing recording a drunken anime plot live on the air. So prepare yourselves, get your hands in your pants, and get your alcohol ready because. This is going to be something. I've already previewed it, and I'm uncomfortable. Eh, I just want to make the comment that dead wood is still symbolic of death. <laughs> See, go from it, talking about pornographic things to dead wood, it just makes me yeah. laugh. Is that all uh, you've um, done? I mean, if you think about it right, it can be, but I think there's a lot of other symbolisms to wood, and I think that for people, the way that we emotionally interact with the world, bone is significantly more symbolic of death than dead wood is. Anyway, Sandalwood has a whole list of correspondences that don't have a lot to do with death. I could look it up because I have an app for that. It's it's actually if someone's really curious in the Play Store fine. as well. Um, but yeah, bone is way more symbolic of uh, death than Sandalwood would be other stuff well everything is death if you actually think about it everything well, that's yeah, living I mean, dies that's sort of, 
that's sort of the symbolism of the mala that nothing is permanent everything is impermanent all everything that's alive will die everything that's in one state now will be in another state in the future everything changes there's no such thing as stability it's everything changes i think for a person the easiest way to see that is death because we know we go from being alive to being not alive and we have to come to terms with that and you know there's lots of ways to come to terms with that most people just deny it or pretend it's not a thing but if you can embrace death what you're really doing is embracing change and if you can embrace change you can live in this world that's constantly changing without making all of these structures of pretend permanence that isn't really there so no, i uh, think it's great symbolism and i really like this mala so um there's no reason for us to have any more banter is that right because rofax and Tin filled up uh, plenty of time there right uh, no, actually, I have to ask <laughs> you about your. One. I'm done. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't tormenting you or anything. I'm just being a jerk right now for some reason. I I do still have to ask you about your week. Well, I would reply with uh, not much, because the things I could talk about, I'm not allowed to talk about because of you. It's all your fault, yes. Slothin. Slothin. Yay! It's all my fault. <laughs> I mean, other other than that, I mean, uh, I've. Oh, what did we watch? Oh, we watched a fantastic movie. Uh, it is uh, Rise of the Guardians. It's a 3D animated movie um, dealing with uh, these mythical figures like Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy. Oh, I've seen that. It's really good. That is really, really a good movie. Uh, it gave me chills. It gave me chills. Uh, much. I, I liked it much more than I liked this last Guardian movie I watched. Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. You didn't like it? No, I liked it okay, but I like this one much more. Yeah. Which, which is surprising, because I wouldn't think that I would have. Yeah, I don't know. Kids' movies these days tend to be pretty damn good. Well, depends on the kid movie you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, I think there was, whatever year it came out, How to Train Your Dragon was probably the best movie I had seen. That year? That How year. to Train Your Dragon's really good. How to Train Your, Train Your Dragon 2 is even better. I don't know if it is, but it is. I think it is. I'd have to watch them back to back, but I I did really like both of them. Okay. So I mean, kids seem to have some options out there, which is nice. Um, though they are the minority, I would say, of our populace. So let us not make rules to protect our children because they're a minority. There's no reason to protect minorities, right? No, no one's gonna agree or disagree with me there. <laughs> Bit of a stretch uh, okay. there. Yeah. Fine. You're going out of a limb really being was. weird. Alright, I guess it's my turn to say, Hey, Slothin! Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Let's see. As of last Tuesday, I have visited family. Mm. And... Finals, probably. Uh, oh, yeah, I did finish finals. Yes, 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 yes. You think you did horribly? Oh no, I already know what my grades were. Are acceptable classes. Yeah, acceptable. Acceptable's good. Yeah. Um, and I've been poking around in Dofus. <laughs> but not Wack Fu, because everyone just left that behind, didn't they? Hmm. Like they the made up... the free one basically pointless. The Their free... own fault. The free one what? Wack Fu. Wack Fu's not free. Is it? Up to a certain level, yeah. maybe. Uh, but the thing is, they... I feel like in Dofus, you could get a long way being free, and you're like, oh, but there's all this content I might want to pay for. Wakfu was like, here's the tutorial, you can't even know what the storyline is, and um, then you have to pay for money. It's just, they should have caught you up in the storyline, then said, oh, and now you have to pay, and I think they would have done better. Yeah. Teach your own. I tried Wakfu. It didn't catch me. Dofus only really caught me because it was the only thing that I was able to play MMO-wise on uh, Linux back in the day because it was kind of a Flash browser thing that I could do. Uh, it's much different now. But, I don't know. I, I don't have any urge to go back to it. I'm quite happy with my uh, Neverwinter. I like a lot of the mechanical updates they've made in Dofus, but not the aesthetic ones. I liked how it was somewhat less cartoony before. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I take it nothing else? Slothin? Nope. Alright. Well, I suppose it's time we go in and do the news. Guess who's first? What would be me? Well, Curiosity rover drills, huh? Go ahead. Sorry. What? Go ahead. No. Curiosity rover. Ah, stop interrupting me. Curiosity rover drills into Mars rock, finds water. NASA's Curiosity rover is continuing to help scientists piece together the mystery of how Mars lost its surface water over the course of billions of years. The rover drilled into a piece of Martian rock called Cumberland and found some ancient water hidden within it. Hmm. Researchers were then able to test a key ratio in the water with Curiosity's onboard instruments to gather more data about when Mars started to lose its water. NASA officials said. In the sample, Curiosity also detected the first organic molecules it has found. Mission scientists announced the discovery in a news conference today, December 15th, at the American Physicist Geophysical Union's convention in San Francisco, where they unveiled Curiosity's first detection of methane on Mars. It's really interesting that our measurement from curiosity of gases extracted from ancient rocks tells about the loss of water on Mars. All Mahaffey Curiosity's SAM sample analysis at Mars instrument principal investigator at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, said in a statement. Curiosity measured the ratio of deuterium heavy hydrogen to normal hydrogen. The D to H ratio can help scientists see how long it takes for water molecules to escape because the lighter hydrogen molecules fly towards the upper atmosphere more freely than the deuterium does. The D to H ratio in Cumberland is about half the ratio found in the Martian atmosphere's water vapor today, NASA officials said. It suggests that the planet lost much of its surface water after the Cumberland rock formed, space agency officials added in the same statement. But the water sample is also about three times heavier than Earth's ocean. This means that if Mars surface water started off with a D2H ratio like Earth's, then most of the Martian water likely disappeared before Cumberland formed about 3.9 billion to 4.6 billion years ago. The Cumberland measurement fills in a gap for scientists studying the different epochs of Martian geo geological evolution. This sampling marks the first time scientists have been able to measure what the water on Mars may have been like during the Hespian period when the rock when this rock was formed, said Mahaffey, who is the lead author of a Mars water study published in the Journal of Science this week. Previously, science have used Martian meteorites on Earth to sample Martian water. However, none of those space rocks date back to the Hesperian period. You have the whole period from 2.5 billion to 4 billion years old, and there's no data that we have from Mars meteorites, just because we haven't found any yet, I guess, Maffei told Space.com. So it's very gratifying to be able to fill in that picture a little bit. Okay. All right, so... You guys can say something? They found some water. By the way, I think you have some lag, so you're quite a bit behind us. So if you hear us talking, we've already got done talking. <clears throat> so, yeah. Okay, okay, hold on. I. Okay, so there's definitely water on Mars, and Curiosity has detected the first organic molecules? Yes. Seems like a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Itself. Absolutely, absolutely. Huge deal. Now, organic molecules in life are not the same. I want to point that out. Finding organic molecules is a big deal, and finding water is a big deal. And now they're just trying to find out how long ago it went. And, you know, there's a lot of things like they apparently... Mars doesn't have the molten core that we do, and our molten core has a lot to do with the, like, gravitational field that protects us, so... All of our atmosphere doesn't fly off. Um, but it's interesting to think that Mars used to be, like, full of water and organic molecules. I, I, I feel like in this article that was a little understated, but I think that's a pretty big deal. Okay, I'm going to make Sloth and go on to the next news story to fill us in on some things. 
<laughs> You're gonna have to make that font, mu- font much larger. No, I'm not. I think you can read it just fine. Could ancient Mars have supported life? Water isn't the only key. Ancient Mars featured flowing rivers and sizable lakes, but that doesn't mean the red planet definitely could have supported life. One, one prominent researcher stresses. The presence of liquid water is just one of many factors that researchers need to take into account when investigating the past or present habitability of Mars, or any other cosmic body. Astrobiologist and mineralogist Pamela Conrad wrote a Perspectives piece published today in the journal Science. That was uh, the 11th, so not today. Things that make a place livable are numerous, and sometimes there's a showstopper you didn't think of. Said Deputy Principal Investigator for the Samples Analysis at Mars Instruments aboard NASA's Curiosity rover. So it's important to take a poll of the diversity of attributes that could contribute to making an environment livable or not. One such attribute is the presence of a global magnetic field produced by by an internal dynamo, which would help shield surface life from ionizing radiation, she wrote in in the science piece. Another key characteristic is the thick atmosphere, which would moderate temperatures and provide a better provide a barrier against ultraviolet radiation from the sun. While modern Mars lacks these characteristics, it possessed both of them about four billion years ago. Thorough thorough understanding of Martian habitability would seek to determine whether the magnetic field, thick atmosphere, and liquid water all occurred simultaneously, said Conrad, who's based at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. It's a matter of timing. The emergence and sustenance of both life and its habitat require a convergence of the right chemicals and physical conditions in the right place at the right time. Assessing the physical conditions that prevailed in the distant past is challenging but not impossible. For example, NASA's MAVEN spacecraft, short for Mars Atmosphere and Volatile Evolution, is currently studying the rate at which gas is escaping from the Martian atmosphere gathering data that should allow researchers to extrapolate this process backwards in time. She stressed that she's not trying to throw cold water on the Curiosity rover's recent discoveries, which suggest that Mars could have supported microbial life billions of years ago. Indeed, she's a Curiosity team member and played a, and played a key role in analyzing and interpreting the rover's results. Rather, she just wants to make sure that the scientists keep their eyes open. I think it's very important for us to Bring every argument to the table when you have a complex problem under discussion. It's very dangerous to make assumptions in such definitive terms, because there could be a gotcha. It makes sense for habitability discussions and research to focus on Mars when it is close to Earth and looms as a target for human exploration down the road. But Mars also serves as a laboratory of sorts, she added. Laboratory. Everything we learn about Mars is a lesson in how to learn about other planets, and those lessons are key to enabling us to explore them. So what we have is we found microbial, uh, not microbial life, we we found uh, biological things, I guess. and we Organic, found organic molecules. molecules. I think it was methane. And we found water, which shows that they had th- those. But she's saying that that doesn't mean there was life. So don't get your knickers in a knot and say, ooh, we found life. Because maybe not. I assume yep, we're... Fa- I agree. Okay, good. Sorry. I, I'm not sure this lag is, is uh, going on. Or I know why the lag's going on. Uh, Morps popped on and said that uh, he's under attack, a.k.a. there's a storm. So we may drop out at some point but that could okay. be why we're lagging as well okay um yeah hopefully we can deal with it i think i said everything i wanted to in the last article this article was talking about some of that magnetic field with stuff which i think is very important but my thoughts are the same from the last article uh to this one all right well, then I'll move on to the next story, which is Astronomer Spy Monster Star Merger on the Move. A common collision could let astronomers peek at the birth of a jumbo star. A Spanish astronomer team reports the eclipsing binary star system known as My Camelop... Wow. Camelopardalis? No. Camelopardalis. In the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics from the Earth... 
or from Earth, the system's two gigantic stars appear to eclipse one another almost every day as they circle on a very tight orbit. By looking at the high-resolution spectra of the two stars with the powerful 2.2-meter telescope at the Calar Alto Observatory in southern Spain, the researchers, led by Javier Lorenzo of Spain's University del or Universidad de, de Alicante, were able to determine the physical properties of each stars, including their surface temperatures and sizes. The two hot blue stars weighing in at 38 and 32 times the mass of our sun complete orbits of each other in less than 1.2 days. That is so close that the team concludes they are inevitably destined to merge into a single behemoth star, one that will have an astounding 60 times the mass of our sun. Not 70? No, apparently not, which is kind of strange, right? Because it should be 70, right? Because one's 38 and one's 32 times the mass of ours. Yeah, it should be 70. Anyway, uh, the authors of the recently published study show that MyCam is already one of the heftiest binary star systems ever seen. In fact, the two stars are likely close enough that their outer atmospheres are already touching and interacting. They are also rotating around each other at a whopping speeds of 621,000 miles per hour. Uh, that's just interesting that we are able to observe such a thing even at the distances that we're at. Um, you go back just a little bit of time in history and you'll, we would never have been able to see it. We would have just expected it to be a single star, but now we get to maybe witness a merger. Maybe not in our lifetimes though, right? So how long ago Hmm? did this light leave them uh well, how many light years do 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 it's a uh, 13,000 light years from earth so 13,000 years ago so who knows it may have already happened probably already happened but you know we haven't seen it, and we still get to watch it unfold which is um pretty neat there's not like consequences for this not obvious consequences like oh this is going to solve some problem here on earth but i I do think I do think that it's kind of interesting. But yeah, you're probably right. I it's probably the event has actually already happened. We're just waiting for the light to get here so we can actually see it. But yeah, it's it is cool. You're right, Lord, that we can actually like observe these things that are like 13 million light years away. All right. So, Rofax and further us with another space story. For it is your turn. Perhaps one about a cosmic mystery solved? Question mark. Possible dark matter signal spotted. Okay, astronomers may have, or astronomers may finally have detected a signal of dark matter, the mysterious and elusive stuff thought to make up most of the material universe. While pouring over data collected by the European Space Agency's XMM New 10 spacecraft, a team of researchers spotted an odd spike in X ray emissions coming from two different celestial objects the Andromeda Galaxy and the Perseus Galaxy Cluster. The signal corresponded to no known particles or atoms and thus may have been produced by dark matter, researchers said. Um, this, okay, I like space.com because its stories are interested, but their advertising just is going crazy. Yeah. Anyway, irritating. The signal's distribution within the galaxy corresponds exactly to what we were expecting with dark matter. That is concentrated and intense in the center of objects and weaker and diffuse on the edges, study co-author Oleg Rokhiaski of the Ecole Polytechnique Federale de Lausanne EPFL in Switzerland said in a statement, with the goal of verifying our findings, we then looked at data from our own galaxy, the Milky Way, and made the same observations, added lead author Alexey Boyarsky of EPFL and, and Leiden University in the Netherlands. Dark matter is so named because it neither absorbs nor emits light and therefore cannot be directly observed. But astronomers know dark matter exists because it interacts gravitationally with the quote-unquote normal matter we can see and touch. Um, and there is apparently a lot of dark matter out there. Observations of star motion and galaxy dynamics suggest that about 8% of all matter in the universe is dark, 
exerting a gravitational force but not interacting with light. Researchers have proposed a number of different exotic particles in the as the constituents of dark matter, including weakly interacting massive particles, WIMPs, axions, and sterile neutrinos, hypothetical cousins of ordinary neutrinos, uh, confirmed particles that resemble electrons but lack an electric charge. Um, the delay of sterile neutrinos is thought to be to produce x-rays, so the research team suspects these may be the dark matter particles responsible for the mysterious signals coming from Andromeda and Perseus cluster. If the results, which will be published next week in the journal Physical Review Letters, hold up, they could usher in a new era in astronomy, study team members said. Confirmation of this discovery may lead to construction of new telescopes specifically designed for studying the signal from dark matter particles. Boyoski said, we will know where to look in order to trace dark structures in space and we'll be able to reconstruct how the universe has formed. Again, this is something that I am personally following because I did not buy the dark matter theories for a long time. I always thought they were interesting, you know, like string theory. I think string theory is interesting too, but I didn't have much faith. But I feel like more and more actual evidence is coming in that suggests uh, dark matter and dark energy is actually a thing. You know, interesting and unique ways of detecting it, but still, this is actually something that is testable, verifiable, and observable, which really puts it in the category of science I'm going to have faith in. So I, I really like the dark matter stuff, and I think it's a huge different way look at science and physics and all of that stuff. So I thought this was kind of neat. Agreed. And I think we did a another dark matter story maybe last week, maybe the week before. And yeah, yes. if, I, if I see it as well, I, I always pick one up too, just because like you said, it always kind of bothered me that we didn't have much uh, evidence to propose that it actually existed other than there, there was something maybe wrong with our calculations that couldn't, uh, uh, that didn't make sense. Right, but now we have actual things that we can predict and observe in the universe and say this is dark matter or the thing that makes dark matter. Yeah, so I think it's cool. Worm brain uploaded into Lego robot. Worm brain in single quotes. Can a digitally simulated brain on a computer perform tasks just like the real thing? For simple commands, the answer it would seem is yes, it can. Researchers at Open Worm Project recently hooked a simulated worm brain into a wheeled robot. Without being explicitly programmed to do so, the robot moved back and forth and avoided objects, driven only by the interplay of external stimuli and digital neurons. Yarns. While the already similarly capable, while there are already similarly capable robots using traditional software, the research shows a digitally simulated brain can behave like its biological analog, and the demonstration has implications for for big brain projects. The Brain Initiative in the U.S. and Human Brain Project in Europe aim to map the human brain's connections and one day to simulate the brain digitally. Such a simulation might yield insights into disease or breakthroughs in computer science. But when it comes to simulating brain in silica, it's sensible to start simple. The Open Worms Project simulated brain is based on the lowly C. elegans roundworm. That thing is used for so much experimentation. Oh, it's because it's simple. I know. Yeah, C. elegans is an eminently humble creature, and for that reason, an extensive researched, extensively researched one. Scientists published the first map of the synaptic connections of, or connectome, of the brain of C. elegans in the 1986 and refined a draft in 2006. The connectome. That's fun. I've, I've never heard of that term, and I like it. Makes sense. Like the genome and the proteome. The brain, the worm's brain contains 302 neur neurons and 7,000 synapses. Human brain, in comparison, has 86 billion, billion neurons and 100 trillion synapses. Whether we'll ever fully map the human brain or should is a hotly debated topic. Should? Whatever. <laughs> Could well, is debatable. Could is it debatable. Is. There's no debate. You absolutely no. should. 
Should, okay, let's be honest, should is hugely debatable. Just because all of us think you should doesn't mean the rest of the world agrees. I'll continue. Since we've already mapped the C. elegans connectome, the researchers at Openworm thought they'd feel it... Feed it. Th thought they'd feed it stimuli using a few external sensors and give it a robotic body to carry out whatever motor instructions the ba brain provided. The brain... They didn't give it quotations, but I, I would. The robot, as you see in the video, moves a little like a Roomba, with one critical distinction. The Roomba's collision avoidance mechanism was written in by programmers. The open worm's bot movements, on the other hand, were not. How does it work? The brain cells in the worm's connecto connectome are labeled sensory neurons, motor neurons, and interneurons, connecting the two. The open worm's team simulated these neurons and their connections in software. The digital neurons some input signals and fire when they exceed a threshold similar but not exactly like the real thing. Sensory neurons link to the robot's sensors. A sonar sensor, for example, stands in for the worm's nose, and the SIMS motor neuron drive... SIMS motor neurons drive the robot's right and left motors, as if they were right and left groups of muscles. Fascinating thing? The robot behaves much like a real worm would, given similar sensory stimulation. Tripping the nose sensor halts forward progress. Touching the front and rear sensors makes the robot move forward and back. Now the simulation isn't perfect, and the robot doesn't have every sensory input the real worm might have, but the open worm bot seems to show that a simulated digital brain might behave like a biological brain does. And we might not have to understand it in detail to make it work. That is, behaviors might emerge of their own accord. In this example, we're ta talking very simple behaviors, but could the results scale? That is, if you map a human brain with similarly high fidelity and supply it with uh, stimulation in a virtual or physical environment, would some of the characteristics we associate with human brains independently emerge? Might that include creativity and consciousness? There's only one way to find out. That's right, Slothin. Let's upload your brain. As long right. as you don't damage the original in the process. Well, you see, that's the problem. We're going to have to cut you open. But don't worry. We'll make sure you come back. It might not um, be a perfect copy. It would copy. be a duplicate. I know, not. it would be. It would not be me. It would be a duplicate. Well, I mean, uh, you ever seen that god-awful movie, Transcendence? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Ah, uh, that was so horrible. Never mind. Forget I talked about it. That's basically I think, what they did, though. I think this is amazingly awesome. They uploaded a worm brain into a robot. How is this not the coolest thing ever? I'd totally be a robot. Of course you would. But, you already I mean, don't have is, the emotions. Well, that's right, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. No, this is really, really probably the coolest story we've talked about on this show possibly forever <laughs> it's so cool you uploaded a okay yeah it's just a worm but it's a robot worm we could all be robots and we wouldn't even have these stupid flesh brains we'd have superior upgradable robot brains uh, this is awesome i mean seriously if you could make it yeah as slothan said it would be a duplicate of yourself but a, it's still cool. B, uh, you could have robots that were really, like, legitimately on the same level as people. Everything about this is awesomely cool. And what if I just, you know, you just wait for the second the person dies and then kill them and turn on the robot? It would be close enough. So you have, like, the exact copy of the person's brain well, as they're dying. It's close enough that you'd be a freaking robot. I would say that it they it whatever creation that copies the original is more like a a child in the sense that it is a a continuation of your of your of yourself like children would be and are but it is an exact copy of your brain uh, no it's not off. It, it, I don't know if you can actually say that it's an exact copy an exact copy would be biological it's a simulation of the brain. I mean, uh, even, even if we perfect still awesome. it... Oh, don't get me wrong, it's awesome. But even if we do perfect a running a simulation, it's still a simulation. 
And then again, we may live in a simulated world right now, and our brains are simulated yeah. anyway. <laughs> it's a simulation until you turn it on. We have consciousness, and this, when you turned it on, would have consciousness. I can agree that it's not you, and I can agree it's not a human, but to call it simply a simulation, as in it doesn't have any rights and it's not real, I wouldn't agree with that. Well, that's if not what I said. it's truly doing, if it's truly doing what we're doing, it's not a simulation. It's a rational entity that has silicon instead of fleshy nerve bits. Fleshy nerve yeah, bits? By saying it's a simulation, I'm not saying it's it's not capable of being a real person. I'm saying it's a simulation of you. It will never be you. No, it will never be you. But I feel like calling a stimulate a simulation is like it just wants to be you and it's somehow inferior to you, which I don't think it would be inferior to you. Nope, and just I don't two think different it'd be less to be real. You. Be different than you, yeah, that's fine. Well, speaking of extending human life via methods, here's another story that might uh, get some people's hearts a pounding. <laughs> anyway, ibuprofen use leads to extended lifespan in several species. Species study finds a common over-the-counter drug tackles pain and fever may also hold the key to longer, healthier life, according to Texas A&M Argree Life research scientists. Regular doses of ibuprofen extended the lifespan of multiple species, according to the research. Uh, we first used Baker's yeast, which is an established aging model, and noticed that the yeast treated with ibuprofen lived longer. Uh, I still have problems with using such short lifespan things because there's so many different uh, variables that longer life people have to go through. Anyway, um, we have to start with small. Though. I know we do. Then we tried the same process with worms and flies and saw the exact or saw the same extended lifespan. Plus, these organisms not only live longer but appeared healthier. Uh, or healthy, not healthier. I'm sorry. He said the treatment, given at doses comparable to the recommended human dose, added about 15% more to the species' lives. In humans, that would be equivalent to another dozen or so years of healthy living. Uh, Polymenus, who also is a professor in the biochemistry and biophysicist. Our physics department at Texas A&M University collaborated with Dr. Brian Kennedy, the president and CEO of Buck Institute in Research of, on Aging in Nevada, California, along with several researchers from Russia and the University of Washington. Ibuprofen is a relatively safe drug. Relatively, it does do damage to liver uh, if you take it too often and too much. Um, do, 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 where did I leave that off? Uh, relatively safe drug uh, created in 1960s in England. The, it was first made available by prescription and then, after widespread use, became available over-the-counter throughout the world in the 1980s. The World Health Organization includes ibuprofen on their list of essential medications needed in basic health systems. Uh, ibuprofen is described as a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug used for relieving pain, helping with fever, and reducing inflammation. Or an NSAID for short. Paulina said the three-year project showed that ibuprofen uh, interferes with the ability of yeast cells to pick up tryptophan, an amino acid found in every cell on every, uh, every organism. Tryptophan is essential for humans who get it from protein sources in the diet. We are not sure why this works, but it is worth exploring further. This study was a proof of principle to show the common, relatively safe drugs in humans can extend the lifespan of, a ver of very diverse organisms. Therefore, it should be possible to find others like ibuprofen with even better ability to extend lifespan with the aim of adding healthy years of life to people. Isn't that fascinating? Now, it could be that uh, our lifespans are on average longer now because of the use of this, or including because of the use of this, Already, uh, I find it interesting. I do take ibuprofen now and again myself, but am I aging slower? No. Is my healthy living? I don't know. It's really hard to discern in such a short lifespan like myself. It would be amusing to find out that the times when I was in horrible pain and was using ibuprofen to deal with my teeth tooth problems, that I was aging 15% slower during that period of time. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily exactly the case, but, you know, no. it's interesting. Well, 
I would say if I had to pick one contributing factor to why people live longer today, it would probably be our, like, way better medical technology and better diet. But as long as this study wasn't paid for by an ibuprofen manufacturing company, I think this is this is really cool. Maybe people will take a bunch of ibuprofen. Um, I'll wait for a little more research before I start taking it on a daily basis, though. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, oh, it's your turn again, Rovaxin. Oh, what's it? An existing drug, Riluzoli, may prevent foggy old age brain. Forgetfulness. What was I doing? <laughs> Forgetfulness, it turns out, is all in the head. What do you. What, what do they mean? Turns out. Anyway, scientists have shown fading memory and clouding judgment, the types that come with advancing age, show up as lost and altered connection between neurons in the brain. But new experiments suggest an existing drug known as Rilazole and already on the market as a treatment for ALS may help prevent these changes. Researchers at the Rockefeller University and the ICANN School of Medical of Medicine at Mount Cena found they could stop normal age-related memory loss in rats by treating them with rilazole. Treatment they found prompted changes known to improve connections and, as a result, communication between certain neurons within the brain's hippocampus. By examining the neurological changes that occurred after rilazole treatment, we discovered one way in which the brain's ability to reorganize itself, its neuroplasticity, can be marshaled to protect it against some of the deterioration that can accompany old age, at least in rodents, says co-senior study author Alfred E. Merskier, Professor Bruce McEwen, head of the head of the Harold and Margaret Milliken Hatch Laboratory of Neuroendocrinology. The research was published online December 15th in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Neurons connect to one another to form circuits connecting certain parts of the brain, and they communicate using a chemical signal known as glutamate. But too much glutamate can cause damage. Excess can spill out and excite connect connecting neurons in the wrong spot. In the case of age-related cognitive decline, this process damages neurons at the points where they connect their synapses. In neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's disease, this contributes to the death of neurons. Used to slow the progress of another neurodegenerative condition, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, rilazole was an obvious choice as a potential treatment because it works by helping to control glutamate release and uptake, preventing harmful spillover. The researchers began giving rilazole to rats once they reached 10 months old, the rat equivalent of middle age, and their cognitive decline typically begins. After 17 weeks of treatment, the researchers tested the, tested the rat's spatial memory, the type of memory most readily studied in animals, and found that they prefer, performed better than their untreated peers and almost as well as young rats. For instance, when placed in a maze they had already explored, the treated rats recognized an unfamiliar arm as such and spent more time investigating it. When the researchers looked inside the brains of the right rilazole-treated rats, they found telling changes to the vulnerable glutamate-sensing circuits within the hippocampus, a brain region impl implicated in memory and emotion. We have found that in many cases, aging involves some synaptic changes that decrease synaptic strength, the plasticity of synapses, or both, said John Morrison, professor of neuroscience and the Friedman Brain Institute and Dean of Basic Scientists, Sciences and the Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences at Mount Sinai. The fact that rilazole increases the clustering of only the thin, most plastic spines suggests that, it in, that its enhancements of memory results from both an increase in synaptic strength and synaptic plasticity, which might explain its therapeutical effectiveness. In this case, the clusters involve involved the spines, a rapidly adaptable type of spine, 
The Rhyolazole treated animals had more clustering than the young animals and their untreated peers who had the least. The discovery led the research to speculate that, in general, the aged brain may compensate by increasing clustering. Rhyolazole appears to enhance this mechanism. In our study, this phenomena of clustering proved to be the core underlying mechanism that prevented age-related cognitive decline. By compensating the deleterious changes in glutamate levels with aging and Alzheimer's disease and promoting important neuroplastic changes in the brain, such as clustering of spines, rhylazole may prevent cognitive decline, says first author Anna Piera, an instructor in clinical investigation in McEwen's laboratory. Taking advantage of the overlap of neural circuits vulnerable to age-related cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease, Pereira is currently conducting a clinical trial to test the effectiveness of rhylazole for patients with mild Alzheimer's. Now that's cool because, you know, one of the biggest fears, uh, at least I have and I know other people have, is losing the ability to think straight, especially in old age. So, if this can assist in that, I'm all for it, obviously. I I think um, that I agree, yes. Because one of the things that this seems to be focusing on, and something I really like seeing medicine in general do, is not just increase lifespan, or not even primarily increase lifespan, but increase um, quality of lifespan. Right. You can exist just fine with like forgetting things and being all foggy and having bad connections or even having Alzheimer's. You might not die sooner, but your quality of life is significantly increased. So things like this where, you know, those age-related things that come about from the brain apparently not connecting right, it's really cool to see something that's like, look, this isn't going to make you live longer, but it's going to make you live better. Uh, I think that's really an exciting technology, so I hope that this turns out to have a bright future because I'm already old, and yeah, anything like this is uh, just cool. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Paralytic paralyzed woman. Paralytic paralyzed woman. Nice statement there, Slotham. Paralyzed woman moves thought-controlled robotic arm with immense precision. <clears throat> Sighs. Over the last... Over the last few years, there have been some incredible technological developments that are offering new hope for paralyzed patients. Electrical stimulation and nerve cell transplants have ena enabled individuals to regain movement in their legs and even allowed them to stand or walk with a frame. Brain implants have allowed quadriplegic patients to move their fingers and hands for the first time in years using their minds. And now scientists have developed a system that has allowed a paralyzed woman to control a robotic arm with immense precision, using only her thoughts. Jan Showerman is a 55-year-old woman with a neurodegenerative disease that has left her paralyzed from the neck down since 2003. Back in 2012, she took part in a trial conducted by scientists at the University of Pittsburgh who had been working on an innovative brain-machine interface system. They implanted two microelectrode grids just 4 millimeters in size and a particular spot of the left motor cortex that is responsible for controlling movement of her right arm and hand. The grid contains 96 contact points, each of which pick up firing signals from an individual neuron. These devices were then hooked up to a computer, which record, recorded and analyzed brain activity within this region. Next, the team asked Showerman to think about moving her arm and hand, and then used complex computer algorithms, algorithms to marry up the patterns of electrical activity within her brain to her thoughts about specific movements. These patterns were then translated by the system into appropriate movements, allowing Showerman to control a robotic arm with just her mind. Not only could she move the arm with, an, with impressive fluidity, but she could also pick up a variety of objects, with a 91.66% success rate. Impressively, she even managed to use the arm to feed herself a bar of chocolate. As you would. Now the team has developed the system even further, allowing a remarkable level of control, as described in the Journal of Neural Engineering. The updated algorithm can now detect four new control signals related to handshape. This means that users can scoop, extend a thumb, and pinch, allowing patients to move the arm in a total of ten different ways. 
as shown in the video below. Showerman is now able to control the prosthetic arm with remarkable precision, using it to pick up and move a variety of objects. The system isn't ready for widespread use and still requires a bit more tweaking, however they are hopeful that once the technology moves out of the lab, the range of movements achievable by the prosthetic will help paralyzed patients regain a certain degree of independence, if they can be trained to successfully control it. Now, robot bodies for everyone, right? Alright, two things I want to say. A, this is very cool and they're absolutely using it for the right reasons with paralyzed people and stuff. And absolutely what they should be doing it with but could you like i mean if it's possible to move things with just thoughts could you hook that up to a normal person and have them like control a robot or a car or something or like extra limbs like tentacles or extra like wings. four of them wings yeah wings 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 and tentacle we could be horrible parrot octopus monsters <laughs> you could be Doc I, I want that. and the Vulture at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I, And I mean, seriously, I'm not trying to be insensitive to the people who really need this. I'm not saying we should stop researching on these people, because that's where it's needed, first and foremost. But I'm just curious, could you, like, hook it up to a normal person and give us tentacles? I mean, I know it would be a huge amount of brain retraining, because our brains are not used to controlling wings. Or tentacles, but could you, could you do that? I'm just yeah. curious. Uh, That'd be cool. Maybe, maybe not. It just depends. I mean, reality is that we only have so many uh, connections based upon movement, and those are ones that we already move. So who knows? Maybe a combination. Uh, could I switch it on and have wings instead of arms? You know, maybe you just like strap your arms down at your sides and you have wings instead. I don't. I just wonder. <laughs> I've always been interested, I don't know if you guys saw those games where, like, you concentrate and the ball moves where you want it to from your mind, but it's really just a total rip-off because it's just detecting how your muscles move or whatever. But there's 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 better versions of those games besides the cheap rip-off one where you're supposed to be able to move objects with your mind. And I wonder how much of this technology could be applied to that uh, because it sounds like in a lot of these stories we read, we're really getting to the point where we can convert our thoughts into things actually happening. So yeah, I wonder what other sort of applications it could be used for. But it's really cool that they're helping paralyzed people. Yes. All right, moving on to the next news story. Uh, also dealing with limbs, slightly. A man without arms or the use of arms facing gun charges, was released. A man who can't use his arms because of a spinal condition and, face, uh, and faces a gun possession charge was released from jail without having to pay bail on Friday. Mark Hubbard had been jailed since his arrest in Trenton in August. His bail was lowered on Tuesday from 100000 to 35000 but the Times newspaper reported he was released without bail Friday morning. Hubbard's attorney, Carol Turner, said she was delighted by the judge's decision and would fight for all charges against him to be diminished. Uh, or dismissed, I'm sorry. Turner said that said a at a Tuesday's bail hearing, the case against Hubbard, who injured his spine in a car accident and may leave and may have Lou Gehrig's disease, shocks the conscience. How could he be held for month held for four months on a gun charge? Turner said during the hearing, he cannot move his arms. They are useless to him. Hubbard, who was from Salem, had been hospitalized in protective custody since his arrest at cost of at least $60,000. Authorities say Hubbard and three other men were in the car that ran a red light in Trenton and was pulled over. They said inside the car, police found a stolen handgun in the backseat pocket and a prescription bottle of codeine. All four men were charged after none of them took responsibility for the pill bottle and gun, which was stolen from Anchorage, Alaska. Prosecutors acknowledge Hubbard has no use of his hands, but said he could still be guilty of a crime. <sighs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just back. Okay, guys, there's three of you who stole this. Not me, not me, not me. You're no, all guilty. Four, oh, four total, total men. You can't. You can't just say, well, you're all guilty that, I mean, that's like what you did, that's what your parents did to their siblings 
when they were like, AIDS, like, if no one confesses, you're all grounded, and you thought was ridiculous and arbitrary because it was. You can't do that. This guy doesn't have, he can't even use his arms. How is he going to steal anything? Plus, Very I mean, carefully. really? You're just going to be like, we don't know who stole. Oh, I, oh, I, that's what I'm doing. Next time there's like something bad happens, like, oh, this person was murdered. Okay, public, someone, someone uh, contact the government and tell us who, who did the terrorist attack. Like, no one confesses. Like, fine, all of America's under arrest. Have fun in jail. No, you can't do... That's stupid. That's stupid. Anyway, isn't there that whole innocent until proven guilty? Where's their evidence? That well, they had these evidence, but they didn't have evidence for him. He no, just they was didn't. In the, uh, they had... They had the yeah. gun that was stolen. They had the coding yeah. that was stolen yeah. in the car. Okay, and where's the evidence against a particular person that they did it? I don't know. Maybe a crazy guy dropped it back there. Hard to say. With zero evidence... Con Connecting any individual to the crime, it's not really evidence at all. Stupid. You need more to go on than that. And what are they doing? Just holding them forever? It's like, well, we'll we couldn't get a conviction out of them, so we'll just hold them indefinitely. Stupid. Yes. Plus, he couldn't use his arms. I mean, it's... It, whatever. <laughs> I'm done. You're done? Alright, well, uh... I believe it's time for us to start doing hyperspeed, and I believe you're up. Um, okay. Ridiculous fishing devs attempt to get yet another clone pulled from Google Play. The uh, title pretty much says it all, so instead of going into any detail, this is just the thing where everybody who makes a game, it gets cloned, and they try to pull all the clones. What are your guys' thoughts on, yeah, your game looks like my game. Google, take it off the market. I'd say they're probably similar, but I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't consider any... copyright valid, so meh. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like. I understand that somebody copied the other person's game, but make your game better, or just have the name recognition, which this guy actually does. And you'll get more sales. You don't have to, like, have Google strong-arm everybody else. Because, you know, what is copying? Is Final Fantasy or is, like, Crypt of Evermore copying Final Fantasy? Or are they just similar, but there's enough difference they count as two separate games? I know that's a bad example because Square made both of them, but, but still, the principle is the same. A lot of things are similar. You can't be like, man, you copied me. It's like, ah, everybody copied everybody. Anyway, if we don't want to get into it, uh, that's, that's what I want to mention. Okay. Goliath strikes back. Google takes legal action against Mississippi State Attorney General Jim Hood. This may have been my story, uh, if Rofaxon doesn't remember it. But it sounds familiar, but I don't remember what happened. Okay. Uh, there's a secret legal campaign to discredit Google. Uh, coordinated by the MPAA on behalf of the major Hollywood st uh, studios. Um, basically, yeah. it's about the 2011 SOPA debates and concerted efforts to enlist the state attorney general in that fight. Uh, Google and the MPAA have issued harsh statements over the news, but today the fight is growing into a full-fledged legal battle. Basically, that's what's going on there. After Sam on kind of on Google's side and this one, because you don't just try to discredit people to get your way. And Google found out. And wasn't it from the Sony hacks that they figured out this was going on? Uh, maybe. I think so. Yeah, read the article in the show notes, anyone out there who's curious. So yeah, get them, Google. They were being dumb. <laughs> All right. Um, what do we have here? Holocaust symbol, French city under fire for Nazi-styled yellow triangles, homeless badges. They're giving their homeless badges to wear. This one is kind of a big deal, I think. Not only do they have little homeless... Okay, if you're homeless, you are required by law, apparently, to wear a little yellow badge that says you're homeless. So that's kind of a bad idea. I mean, it kind of reminds you of that whole Nazi thing. And to make it worse, you have to display any mental or physical condition you might have sure to show the medics can help you faster so you have to first of all 
who cares about your privacy if you don't want to admit you're homeless? Screw you. You have to anyway by wearing the stupid yellow badge. And then you have to have your medical history posted on it so everyone can know what diseases you have. Because privacy, screw that. No, if you want to be homeless, you can be homeless. They can't make you wear badges. I mean, this is really ridiculous that this is even a thing. I would strongly suggest everybody actually read the article in the show notes because I don't know what I don't know what to say about it except it's obviously ridiculous. They can't force you to wear a badge because you happen to be homeless. Didn't break any laws. All right, Rofaxon, you're next. Uh, time traveling and wormholes physicist kip thorne's wildest theories uh, uh i'd really have to get into the theories but they're about time travel and wormholes this is this guy's kind of like an interesting character so i just suggest everybody read the article all right and sloth and give us the last news story <laughs> Indust industrial band Skinny Puppy demands $666,000 after music is used in Guantanamo torture. Band files claim for $666,000 and express outrage at their music being used as an actual weapon against somebody in the U.S. detention center. Admittedly, I am not a huge fan of Skinny Puppy, which I know a lot of people are. Um, there might be a couple of songs that I like, and I, I like when they teamed up with KMFDM. Or at least their lead singer did, but for the most part, I'm not a big fan. And I could see it as torture if it was forced to be used on somebody, but that's kind of uh, interesting. They're trying to strike back against this uh, torture stuff. Maybe. Or make some money. Or get some advertisement. You know, it could be all or sorts of different things. Three. Yeah. So that's the last news story of the week. And uh, where can we find you online, Rofaxon? At Rofaxon on Twitter, and the best place is just go to YouTube and search Rofaxon channel. I've got a bunch of Minecraft videos and some Battle Block Theater ones. Don't yep. forget the Google Play Store. Oh yeah, the Google Play Store. And Slothin, where might we find you? Twitter, Tumblr, not really Google+, Plus. <laughs> um, and also on Rofaxon's YouTube channel, where I can be found making silly jokes while playing... Agrarian Skies and other sky blocky thing. And yeah. old mods on uh, Skyrim Nexus. <laughs> yeah. And I can be found as Lore Law on Twitter and my enemy list, but everywhere else I can be found as Cure Studios. For example, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome you to visit our site at curestudios.galaxy15.radio.com. <laughs> There's not a dot between galaxy dot. It's galaxy15radio.com. Whoopsie. Where you can don't hit click the donate tab at the top of the no, page. No, click the donate tab at the top of the page. There's no don't in that sentence. <laughs> Where you can click the donate tab at the top of the page to give us a boost of moral support. Also, if you have any feedback, news for the show, please send an email to curastudios at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe, and just for fun, let your friends and possibly family know about us by giving us giving them copies of our show. How, Rofaxon? Well, what you do is you just get into politics in France and then make it a law that every citizen has to wear a yellow triangle that has the URL on it. No, no, you that's have what to, they do in France. You have to pick a minority. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but not too small. Anybody with a mustache has to wear a mustache-shaped, a little mustache-shaped thing that has um, the URL on it for the whatever URL is. I don't remember. Yeah, you know, just make it a law. That's how they do it in France. All right. The opening song is Black Runners by Spleen, which can be found at germando.com. Today's closing song is Shut Up by Caffeine Mit Cocaine, which can be found on germandsoundcloud.com. Can be found at SoundCloud, not <laughs> We leave you now to thoughts of having new robot arms. Six nine eight seven six five. <laughs>